This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns 24-7. We are back to our non-football schedule uh, schedule for the flagship podcast, meaning our interview podcast will be uh, coming out on Monday mornings, as this one is, with our one and only uh, main man recruiting guru, um, Mike Roach. Mike, how you doing? Good. I'm just, uh, it's a very busy time of year for yours truly. It's uh, once the season's over, we kick into overdrive. So uh, it's trying to balance a little work life, you know, spend some time with the wife, enjoy Christmas, but also I'm on my phone most of the time. So it's a busy time, busy time of year. Yeah. And we are, um, just so everyone knows, because everything is moving so quickly, we're recording on uh, Sunday afternoon, Sunday, December 5th. So we are, um, 10 days out from the early, well, now it's pretty much just the, the signing period, right? Um, December 15th. But Mike, I want to go back a little bit uh, to the Lincoln Riley news before we get into everything that's kind of moving right now. Uh, with Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma for USC, um, the fallout, we've seen decommitments in the OU 2022 class. Let's end the 2023 class, but let's you know, talk about what the fallout uh, has been like and your overall thoughts on where OU is, because at this moment they have not named a successor. It sounds like Brent Venables might be in the lead with Jeff Levy, the Ole Miss offensive coordinator as his potential offensive coordinator and Norman. But let's talk about that fallout and what, uh, what has stood out to you. I mean, this has been the most incredible coaching carousel I've ever seen in my life. I mean, when you talk about, um, Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma to go to USC and Brian Kelly leaving note. I mean, guys leaving jobs at perennial, you know, blue blood programs to go voluntarily take jobs elsewhere. I, I couldn't believe it when I saw the Riley news. I mean, obviously I knew LSU had been in the conversation, but for USC to come in there and pull that off, just a massive, massive victory for, for them, you know? And so, you know, the fallout has been that um, they've done a lot of recruiting out West at Oklahoma. Their, their 23 class was built around Malachi Nelson, the number two quarterback of the country from Los Alamitos, California. Um, and I mean, they've already in that time moved to USC and flipped Malachi Nelson along with a couple of receivers he was committed with uh, over there. Relique Brown from modern day, who was part of their 2022 class, one of the top overall players um, 
in the country in general. Uh, they've already flipped him as well. So they, they're positioned well because they were already recruiting out on the West Coast. What it's done to Oklahoma is it's put them in a little bit of a reset mode. I mean, a lot of players have entered the portal. And when you look at the portal, guys, it's all those big names on the uh, on the offense. It's you know, Theo Weiss and Jaden Hazelwood, and there's whispers about Marvin Mims and Austin Stogner. And so that they're losing kind of hemorrhaging. And, and in a weird way, um, you know, they they took a while to kind of name this successor, and that hurt them because I think there was a lot of opportunity for guys to look around and say, well, what are we going to do? And in and, and that 2022 class, it's the same. Texas will try to capitalize a little bit on that. Uh, with Kobe McKenzie, the linebacker from Lovett Cooper, who's been committed to Oklahoma since his sophomore year. He's actually on his official visit to Texas as we speak at the moment. So um, it's basically a feeding frenzy. They smell blood in the water with Oklahoma, a team that has been in a program that has been kind of a picture of stability in college football over the last 20 years, in part because of Bob Stoops, who then made a seamless transition to Riley, and there has been no power struggles. There has been no open searches. And now all of a sudden they're kind of thrown into chaos. So, um, you know, getting Brent Venable seems to me at least um, like it would be a good step towards maybe plugging some of those leaks. Uh, but we'll have to see. Every time a coach is hired, I always say we'll have to see what kind of staff he hires. And um, we'll, we'll kind of have to see how he's received by those recruits. So, Kobe McKenzie, um, give us your thoughts. And um, are there any other OU decommits or players in the portal you think Texas might uh, might you know be interested in? Uh, Kobe McKenzie, I got to see him on Friday night uh, playing a regional final game against Wichita Falls Rider uh, for Lubbock Cooper. He uh, Cooper did win, and then he was leaving right after that game to go to Austin. He will, I will see him again this Friday night uh, against South Oak Cliff in the state semifinal in 5AD2, uh, uh, the 5AD2 classification. So um, I'll see him twice in two weeks. He's a big physical inside backer, comes downhill, very, very physical. Um, you know, when he hits, you can hear it. Um, he's kind of a, a, a plugger. I worry a little bit about how he moves in space, but if you're moving to a, a conference like the SEC, you kind of need guys like him um, to be able to play against those bigger front lines. I think he could play on the edge. I think he could play inside. Texas is pitching him on a roll inside more than anything. Um, and I think they have an opportunity here to kind of close the deal still while everything's in flux. Now, Oklahoma's asked him, please don't do anything until we hire a new head coach and uh, get back in home with you. And he's an early enrollee, so he does have to make somewhat of a decision. It may not have to be by December 15th. Early enrollees can basically just enroll at the school of their choice whenever they're ready. So they don't necessarily have to sign on signing day. Um, and so I think for McKenzie, if you're Texas, you're pushing right now. It's Sunday after his official visit. He'll probably be there uh, pretty late this evening, considering the visit starts Saturday morning. I think right now, if you're Jeff Choate and Pete Kwiatkowski and, um, and Steve Sarkeesian, you're pushing pretty hard to try to lock something down before he goes back home and allows Brent Venables or whoever the next Oklahoma head coach may be to come in his house and, and sit down with him. So, um He's a need, obviously. Linebacker is a need. They, they can't have enough of them at this point. And so Texas is kind of attacking it in that way. Yeah, Travell Johnson, the three-star, is is committed in, in Texas's 2022 class. Um, but Texas has obviously um, had some 
well, they're looking for for quality um, linebackers. And how would you rate where Texas is in terms of recruiting that position? There's a lot. There, there's a lot of versatility to be had in that class. Um, I think that if you look at kind of where we have guys uh, slated on our commit page, you may see a lot of guys listed as edge or something like that. But they, the, what they see, and from what I understand, the philosophy that Jeff Choten and Pete Kwiatkowski recruit with is: let's find us some edge guys who have some versatility to them. And worst case scenario, they can play on the edge, but maybe best case, we can move them around and do a couple of different things. A couple guys that in this class that I think could fit that role. Derek Brown is one of them from, from Texas High and Texarkana. He's another East Texas guy that he will remind you build-wise of DeMarvian Overshone, a big, long, lanky kid. They're open. You know, maybe we can move him inside a little bit, try him out in there and see, you know, kind of how he does as an off-ball linebacker. Anthony Jones from Las Vegas, I think, kind of fits that as well. Um, again, a guy that has played tight end, D-end, outside linebacker. They think he can that he's athletic enough and versatile enough to do it. So uh, along with Travell Johnson, those are kind of the the primary reads there. And then they're going uh, looks like portal heavy. There's a couple of, of targets already uh, already kind of sticking out for for Choate in the uh, in the portal. Well, um, speaking of the portal, uh, and you know, there it's it's active, and and I'll I'll go right to uh, offensive line recruiting. We'll. We'll save quarterback uh, and all the latest on Quinn Ewers for for after our break. But um, on the offensive line, Mike, obviously there's some big targets out there. That's a huge position of emphasis in this recruiting cycle. Um, you think you and I have both heard that you know seven to nine offensive linemen you know could be coming in or wishful thinking. I don't know. You you tell us. But what? Uh, What's the latest on the offensive line recruiting? This staff doesn't seem to reach when it comes to guys. I mean, they'll develop their secondary plans and find guys, but they're not going to take guys that they just flat don't think can be starters at some level. That At least that's the, uh, that's the philosophy. But still, with that said, they would take as many of the quality guys they deem as quality guys, I think, at this position as they can. And, um, you know, whether that, you know, we, you mentioned the hook fin thing, there's not going to be a lot of bodies in the spring. And so they've got to find some guys in the portal and in the high school level. It's, it's very much a, a high wire act right now because there's a scenario where Texas runs the table and picks up, you know, the majority of, if not all of their offensive line targets and they sign what would undoubtedly be one of the top offensive line cut, uh, classes in the country. And there's a scenario where they don't get any of those guys, and then they're looking, you know, for for answers there. So uh, I think the most fascinating thing to watch, we haven't even mentioned it here with the coaching carousel talk, Mario Cristobal to Miami kind of frees up Kelvin Banks, who's committed to Oregon, and Cameron Williams from Duncanville, who are committed to Oregon. Texas has felt like they're in both of those races regardless. And now if Cristobal is indeed headed to Miami, Texas has a chance to flip a five-star tackle in Kelvin Banks, and a three-star guy in Cameron Williams who has a lot of promise, a big frame, a guy that they think they can develop. That's two big bodies to add to the room almost immediately if they can do that, not to mention their pursuit of Devon Campbell, uh, the number one offensive guard in the country, Cam Dewberry, a four-star offensive tackle, Ernest Green, one of the best in, in on the West Coast. So there are a lot of names out there. Uh, Malik Agbo, I should have mentioned from, from the uh, Seattle area, 
Um, there are a lot of names out there. I think Texas would love to get as many of them as possible. Yeah, that's going to be uh, that's going to be exciting uh, coming down to the wire uh, that December 15th signing period. Um, OK, so we'll take a quick break here on the flagship podcast interview with our own Mike Roach talking recruiting coming out of a wild and woolly weekend. We'll we'll come back, get the latest on Quinn Ewers here uh, on the flagship podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Mike, we know that um, Steve Sarkeesian has said he wants to beef up the quarterback room at Texas. He's got Malik Murphy committed in the 2022 class. Um, they were interested in Devin Brown. Devin Brown ends up committing to Ohio State. And then Quinn Ewers, um, who was once committed to Texas um, as a top uh, quarterback prospect in that 2022 class, uh, who ended up going to Ohio State, now uh, in the portal. Uh, what is the latest involving Quinn Ewers, Texas's uh, interest, um, et cetera? Well, I think it's interesting you mentioned, obviously he was in that 2022 class. Now he reclassified. Oh, yeah. But if you think about the life cycle of Quinn Ewers, right? In the last two years, Quinn Ewers has committed to Texas, flipped to Ohio State within a couple of months, played for a state title, reclassified, enrolled at Ohio State, signed a six-figured NIL deal, and transferred before his 2022 team. Southlake just won yesterday in the regional final, a team he should be quarterbacking had he not reclassified. They're still playing his senior year, and he's gone through almost a – complete life cycle as a college football player it's uh it's really crazy to think about you know we do the behind the scenes um kind of the behind the scenes on recruitment article after every signing day in february here and i was just thinking the other day i haven't even gotten the chance to write the behind the scenes on quinn's initial recruitment and now i'm going to have to lump in whatever happens in this transfer recruitment so it's crazy um it's been it's been pretty nuts uh, since the news was broken by Pete Thamel on Friday night. Uh, I think that for viewers, uh, you know, there were a couple schools thrown out there that I think just like A&M was a name early. And once you got to digging on that, it didn't seem like A&M really had a lot of interest in in getting into that race. And so it's kind of emerged as we sit here on Sunday afternoon as a Texas and Texas Tech race. And then you say Texas Tech, how could they possibly uh, get Quinn Ewers over Texas. There are some things in their favor. Uh, just before we got on, I released uh, the Stampede Part 1 a bit early, just everything I know on Quinn Ewers as of right now. So um, I don't know when this uh, – I forget, Ship, when this interview is going to drop. Is this Monday? Monday morning. Uh, Monday morning. By Monday morning when this interview – when you guys are hearing this, we could have a billion different things could have changed. But this is where things are as of right now. Um, Texas Tech is certainly – a school to be taken seriously in this race. They're doing everything they can. And, and I would say, I, I put it like this kind of in the article I wrote, but 
I would say two thirds of the info I've received has been very positive for Texas and would indicate Texas in a favorable spot. But the third of it that I've received for Texas Tech has been incredibly loud and like a lot of good points and a lot of things you look at and say, okay, that makes sense. Um, For one, Texas Tech's taking a new step uh, with their program, trying to kick off the Joey McGuire era. Um, Quinn Ewers trains with Bobby Stroop out of APEC, which started in East Texas, has moved on to Fort Worth. Bobby Stroop is most famous for being Patrick Mahomes' quarterback trainer. Patrick Mahomes and Quinn have worked together and are very tight. Um, And so Mahomes kind of knew Quinn was going in the portal. He tweeted right about the time uh, Quinn went in the portal Reckham. And so um, the two have talked, and I think if Texas Tech pursues and gets Zach Kitley, the offensive coordinator candidate from Western Kentucky, uh, who's been rumored as the guy there, that's a guy that Pat Mahomes has kind of put his stamp on. Kitley was a GA and uh, analyst and position coach at Tech when when Mahomes was there. The two are close, and I think he's kind of put the stamp and said, hey, Quinn, you can trust this guy. And by the way, his quarterback, Bailey Zappi, uh, just threw for 500 yards in the Conference USA Championship game. So there's that. Joey McGuire as a head coach is not a guy I would ever count out of any recruitment. There was an early rumor that maybe Riley Dodge, the South Lake Carroll head coach, would be hired on at Texas Tech in an effort to get it. I asked somebody at Tech about that. It was flat told Joey McGuire doesn't need to hire anybody to land a kid. Um, he doesn't think. So um, he's a guy that if you've ever got to know him, he excels at building relationships and getting people to follow him. That's kind of what's been his thing uh, throughout his entire career. It's what's made him most successful. And so I wouldn't count out tech at all, not to mention the fact that with name image likeness now being a major factor in recruiting, um, they're going to prepare some NIL deals for him to try to land him. I think that, when you go back and you look at the initial Texas Tech coaching search, they made it clear money is not an issue here. We will spend whatever to find the right guy. I think that's going to extend to the NIL side, and you will see some boosters trying to set up some insane deals um, just to, to see if they can lure him there. And so that's kind of where the question breaks down for me. Does Quinn Ewers want to make a lot of money in NIL? Or does he want to go to the best situation possible? Maybe Texas Tech is the best situation possible. Maybe he could do it all there. Um, I mean, it's tough to say, sit here with a straight face and tell you Texas is a way better situation than Texas Tech right now. Obviously, Steve Sarkeesian's got his background of quarterback development. And, you know, the offense at times this year looked deadly. But it's hard to say with a 5-7 and season that, oh, you're making a mistake going to Tech. You should clearly go to Texas. Here's where that breaks down for me. Quinn wants talent around him. And a big reason he decommitted originally was when Tom Herman's team was struggling down the stretch, he did not think he could get talent to come join him in Austin. I don't know that he's going to get five-star talent to come to Lubbock, no matter who's there. It's just there's some places that have a recruiting advantage, some don't. I personally enjoy Lubbock. Not a lot of kids do. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of the question for me is, is, will he be able to pull that star power out there? And if he can't, Does he care more about getting those NIL deals and getting an immediate path to playing time? Or does he care about going to the right place where he could potentially, I mean, let's be honest, he's going to get in a name, image, and likeness deal wherever he goes. Um, It's just, you know, it happened at Ohio State without him ever starting a game. 
can, does he need go to a place where he feels he can get that talent there, where he can be coached by a guy with a pedigree? Those are the questions Texas has to answer. There's a lot of unknowns at Texas Tech at the moment. Getting him to Austin, I think, would be um, obviously a boon for Texas. I think they would love to get it done. I heard something over the weekend that if it's going to happen for Texas, it will probably happen early this week, uh, Monday, Tuesday, something of this week. I don't, you know, it, we'll kind of see if that deadline holds true. Obviously, they're they're out visiting schools and and all these things are fluid. Um, but if it does, you know, obviously Texas wants to close him. They want to use that news to kind of propel them down the stretch into signing day and, and be able to close really strong in this class. And a lot of guys come back into play if they get Quinn Ewers. You know, Evan Stewart, who just recently committed to Texas A&M, I think comes back into play if Quinn Ewers is in this class. The two have known each other for a while. I've heard that Quinn involved him in talks when he was making the decision to go into the portal. and. Um, so it's just a lot of a lot of balls in the air here. We'll see kind of uh, as we sit here Sunday at uh, 2.30. I don't know what Texas Tech has done. I don't know what the what the visit experience has been for him. I'll see if I can get anything out of that tonight, um, and, and we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, all the, all the NIL stuff uh, makes me a little nervous, um, you know, because that stuff – uh, you have a guy like Bijan Robinson who keeps it all quiet. He's over a million dollars in NIL. You'd never know it because he never talks about it. Whereas Quinn Ewers, who hasn't played a college snap yet, we already know, you know, has <laughs> a six-figure deal when he goes to Ohio State and and uh, you know Cody Campbell and and uh, John Sellers, the the mega boosters at Tech, um, who are very involved. I'm sure are are working some angle to, to try to help Quinn yours, but you mentioned the wide receiver recruiting and, and let's, let's uh, well, anything else on the quarterback situation, Mike, that you think is important. I mean, I think you and I've both heard that they're, they're researching guys who are mm -hmm. currently in the portal, maybe a couple guys who could be in the portal. Obviously Quinn yours turned out to be a guy who could be in the portal. Um, anything else on the quarterback situation before we move to receiver? I don't think they're all uh, – I don't want to say they're not all in on Quinn Ewers, but I don't think all their eggs are in that basket. It's not a Ewers or bust situation. You and I have, met, have heard both that they're looking into a couple different guys and a couple of guys who aren't in the portal yet but potentially could be after this bowl season um, that could emerge as names as well. So I think regardless, knowing – kind of observing Steve Sarkeesian through this recruiting uh, class, he doesn't <sighs> – Take this for what it's worth. I mean, you could see it as a good or a bad thing, but he doesn't ever seem to really panic about it. You know, if they miss on a guy, it's just kind of like, oh, well, okay, we'll we'll find another guy. Um, I don't get the sense. Obviously, he knows that landing Quinn Ewers could be a major boost to him at a time when he needs it most. But I don't get the sense that he's sitting there chewing his nails um, wondering what Quinn's going to do. I think they've got contingencies in place and um, and they'll move on if they have to. Obviously, I, I, you, you want to win your primary battles, but um, I, regardless, they're going to add extra bodies to this quarterback room until they feel they've got enough guys to compete in there. Malik Murphy obviously will be one that they sign, but whether it be through the portal or another high school guy or whatever the case may be, there is another body coming, hopefully for the spring. All right, so receiver, obviously Evan Stewart once uh, committed to Texas, Armani Wingfield, uh, Faison Wilson 
um, have decommitted from Texas. What what is the latest in terms of wide receiver recruiting? Not a lot, and I would say a place where um, a place where Texas has has struggled this year, frankly, and one I didn't see coming with the way. If you look at what's worked for Texas this year, you could certainly say, "Hey, we can throw the ball," and uh, if we got more guys who could catch and run with it than Xavier Worthy, we'll be pretty good. And so. Um, they just haven't been able to sell it, you know, losing out on Evan Stewart, who liked the offense, liked the fit, but didn't want to be part of a rebuild. And Matthew Golden, who they thought maybe they were making some waves with down the stretch, TCU, where he was previously committed, Rashad Samples got on the ground with him immediately when he got to Fort Worth and shut that recruitment down, not to TCU, but at least shut Texas out of it. Um, and so you know, I don't know what the factors are. I, I really hate to call. I, I don't like to talk about a guy's job or really because there, there's a lot of factors at play. But I think they need more from recruiting in that position. Um, I just don't I don't think to this point um, that they've necessarily done enough there with what they have. I mean, if, if you're Texas and you're thinking about what you can sell, the one thing we can sell is we had a dude as a freshman um, be all Big 12, probably a freshman All-American, um, lead the lead the conference, lead the country in freshman receptions, yards, touchdowns, all those things. I mean, Xavier Worthy is the one and only bright spot to sell on the recruiting trail. And the fact that they haven't been able to do it to success, they do have Brennan Thompson in the class, who I think is going to be a really good speed prospect at the slot, but they've got to find more there. There's got to be guys and guys who could come in and contribute immediately. Yeah, and that's uh, that's probably something that would come up in Andre Coleman's review uh, once we see what uh, ends up happening on signing day. Yeah. Fair? Fair enough. Okay. Um, all right, so when we look at um, you know the 10-day the push to signing day, Mike, what do you think are – you know, what – if you had to rank the things you're watching most closely or what fans might um, want to watch most closely, uh, what would those things be? I think you have to start with the offensive line. You could talk about Quinn Ewers and Evan Stewart and Shaz Preston and all the big names out there, but it uh, this program has proven it does not matter until you can protect the quarterback and you can open holes in the running game. Imagine how good Bijan Robinson would be if he didn't have to dodge three or four tackles before he got out of the backfield. He's good at doing it, but imagine how much better it would be if he could just hit the hole with nobody hitting. Um, that is the goal. Uh, this has to be a home run offensive line class. It had to be last year, and it wasn't. And not only was it not a home run last year, it was a complete and total whiff. Take it, they took two guys. They took Hayden Connor, who's had a little bit of reserve duty, and they took uh, Matthew uh, Matthew Merrill, who uh, who hasn't really done much. Or, I'm sorry, Max Merrill, uh, who hasn't uh, didn't get to play at all this year and don't really know what his long term outlook is. So they've got to find guys. They've got to find studs. They've got to find bodies. I mean, this is a position where you just throw uh, as many bodies as you can at the problem, and you hope five stick to the wall and can play for the next two or three years. And it's a program that, frankly, if you start showing success there, you'll be able to recruit well there. Um, and I think that's been the problem is forever. Texas has the the moniker that they can't um, 
they can't develop offensive linemen. And so that's what they're fighting against. Kyle Flood certainly has a, a record of development that kind of fights back against that. And it's what's got Texas in it down the stretch with a number of these big time guys. Um, at the bare minimum, they've got to land three more guys on the offensive line at the bare minimum, and they need to be three of their primary targets. Uh, they've already got two in the class. They need a class of five. They take, like we said, eight or nine. I think they'd definitely take, um, but but five's the bare minimum. Past that, I obviously watch the Ewers thing. Uh, if Texas can land Quinn and do it in the next week, um, they're going to have a lot of a, a buzz and a lot of wind at their back as they get into uh, into recruiting season and, and really closing time down the stretch. So uh, those are the two big storylines to watch. And as far as in-home visits, um, what in-home visits are on the radar for this week that that you would keep an eye on? Well, Steve Sarkeesian definitely kept his powder dry in week one. He, he didn't go in on a lot of in-homes for uncommitted prospects. He only gets one. Um, the staff can go in once a week during uh, this period, but uh, the, the head coach only gets one. So he kind of saved those and, um, you know, spent some time kind of honing the, the strategy and it, and it hurt them in some ways, you know, they, maybe if they'd have gone, if he'd have gone in home sooner with Devin Brown, that might've kept him away from Ohio state. Devin Brown decided to shut down before Sark could go in home there. Um, these are going to be the big ones. I expect, you know, Devon Campbell, Ernest Green, uh, Cam Dewberry, um, you know, basically every big target on the board, Sark will will, will likely go in home in the, in the next week, week and a half or so. Um, I need to look at the calendar. I don't have it in front of me. I believe the dead period will set in a day or two before signing day. Um, and so there is a cutoff for that. But, uh, yeah, this is it. I mean, he's going to go go heavy this week. He's gone and seen all the committed kids and made sure everything's good there. And now it's time to go in on the uncommitted kids. And um, I, I really do think he's hoping to go in there and say, we've got Quinn Ewers. Do you want to come join us? And, I mean, the class right now is is a solid class. Um, you know, it's a – you know what uh it's a top 10 class right now um but as you mentioned the the offensive line is is a huge need and and so i mean there's a lot to like about what's in this class already right yeah i think that they've got some very interesting pieces and if you look at where this class stands out defensive line is where it's at they've they've recruited a lot of big time pieces in anticipation of a move to the sec They've gotten some SEC bodies on that defensive line. And I think maybe going into the season, they thought, well, our defensive line is already good, but let's keep adding to it. And I think as we got into the season, we saw, man, these guys need to come in and help the defensive line immediately. Um, and so that's where a lot of the talent is in this group. Um, at running back, you know, there's some forgotten guys in there. Jamarian, uh, I'm not Jamarian Miller, I'm sorry, he decommitted. Uh, Jaden Blue. Uh, who opted out this season, was once the number one running back in the country. He didn't play this year, so his ranking dropped. But remember, this is a guy who ran for 2,000 yards at the, at the highest level of football in the country. 6A football in Texas is as good as it gets. And he did that against 6A competition. Um, and so, you know, Stan Drayton's room continues to, to find big-time players. Um, you know, if you can get something at receiver, obviously, but D-line is where it's at right now. They've just got to fill out all the pieces around them, especially offensive line. Well, and, um, you know, Stan Drayton, it's, we can confirm, is uh, is a candidate to go to Temple 
uh, where Arthur Johnson is now the athletic director. Arthur Johnson used to be uh, an associate, you know, senior executive uh, athletic director at Texas, knows Stan Drayton well. Um, if Stan Drayton ends up being the guy at Temple, um, how do you think that impacts recruiting? You know, at that point, it would make me wonder, do you just elevate Brandon Harris to be your running backs coach? He's been a good recruiter. He's worked a lot with those running backs. He's been with Stan basically since he got to Texas. He's been his right-hand guy. Um, you could go out and lead a national running back coach search, but Brandon Harris does want to be on the field at some point in his career. I think that's a spot where maybe if you put him in there, you got a chance that, I mean, obviously he, he and Jaden Blue have a great relationship. He and, and Ruben Owens have a great relationship. Um, that might be a spot where you make a move, or maybe Chris Gilbert could be elevated into a position. Running back is, you know, Stan has, has mastered being a good developer at it, but it is traditionally a position where you put one of your better recruiters and you say, well, you know, we hope we recruit some stud running backs, and the coaching may not be as important as it is in a couple of other positions. I think that it, it would very much matter how they handled the transition um they bring in you know depending on who they would bring in from the outside that could certainly hurt or help recruiting it could hurt or help the guys they currently have on campus but um that, that to me and i hadn't thought about it really until you just asked but that to me would be a spot where maybe you look at elevating an internal candidate mike roach we uh we said we would keep you for 30 minutes i think we're we're right there we know you're going 100 miles an hour need to get back to your phone um but man we appreciate it so much uh everybody needs to stay tuned to my man mike roach at horns 24 7 uh and nick harris for all the latest heading in to the december 15th signing period mike thanks so much man no problem anytime chip thanks all right. For Mike Roach, I am Chip Brown. We'll see you over at Horns 24-7. Until next time, right here on the Flagship Podcast, which should be Wednesday. Um, stay safe and keep the faith.